0: I okay, I believe it's
1: recording again. So. Oh, great! Yeah, no, I can see. Um, you know, I just wanted to sort of follow up. I think what Rami said about people being able to see themselves in the projects and in the curriculum is is, is super valuable. Um, and I, again, I, you know, we'll see what happens in the aftermath of this. But I think, you know expanding the the idea of like what we can do, you know, in the classroom, I think is is so valuable at whatever level you're at, right? So in high school, like you guys are doing this, right? Like this is like so far and above like things I was doing when I was in high school, which mostly involved like just trying not to work and like going to the gas station convenience store to get Twizzlers, right? Like that was, that was me in like 2003. So like building on that strength rather than just kind of, um, you know, you know trying to push back and have this adversarial relationship I think is really important and when you open up the boundaries of what people can do you know it, it kind of like there's this notion of like sort of decolonializing the classroom or decolonializing the curriculum and essentially saying well you know if we want to have difference in the classroom we have to accept and 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 enjoy different approaches to the same thing right rather than having these very narrowly tailored assignments and I think it's very hard for instructors to to drop that but hopefully you know as as the younger cohort kind of comes up, that will change.
0: Yeah, I think especially like because of COVID, we are forced to be in this virtual space. And a lot of students, like, like as you mentioned, teachers are still using their methods that they were, and it's just not applicable. And so like you were saying, it's really interesting that you're adapting to that, because I feel like it'll be very useful since COVID and then moving into the future.
1: Yeah, hopefully.
0: And these projects, I'm sure the students will, like, remember with years, like, years on. Like, you won't remember a paper you wrote, but you'll remember if you made a podcast that, like, people actually listen to.
1: Right. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, they did such an amazing job. Like, it was awesome.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely check it out. It sounds really cool. Um, Just out of curiosity, being specialists in epidemiology, did you predict that levels of mortality related to COVID would advance as high as they did?
1: Um, prior to it actually happening, I mean, so uh, I'm curious what Rami thinks. I'll say for myself, I've, I, I'm consistently far too optimistic about how things are going to go. Um, the one of these podcasts, they in, the students, you know, ask me some questions, and they were like, "How's vaccine distribution going to go?" I'm like, "Great, we're totally good. We're set up for that." So obviously, you know, so I've I've always and my wife, who is a sociologist. And, and maybe has like less of a soft spot for public health um, is like, no, everything's screwed up and it's gonna to continue to be screwed up. So um, I would say I've been like totally, I was like the person who's like, ah, we probably don't need masks in March. And I, ah, you know, it'll be, my daughter's birthday is in April, right? We had her birthday at home. I was like, my son's the end of May. I was like, we'll be out of here for his birthday. We'll see the grandparents. No, mine's in June, my wife's in July, no, right? And we're probably going from third birthday for Phoebe to fourth birthday probably at home grandparents just got their shots so we're lucky on that front so maybe they'll come I don't know um but like you know I had no idea completely surprised I think only a few people had the foresight to see where we were going
0: um can you actually kind of talk a little bit more about um like your personal opinion on how um vaccines like as they're being more distributed in the US, what practices should be implemented to protect more vulnerable uh, members of the population and how we can move
2: forward in this situation to end the pandemic as soon as possible?
1: Sure. Yeah, Rami, do you want to?
2: Yeah, sure, I could share a few things. Um, I think vaccine distribution is really hard. Um, This is an unprecedented type of distribution. Um, no no time in the history, I mean, I, from my understanding of the world, have we had to do something like this so quickly. Um, usually vaccines are developed much further along when something is more endemic or, you know, something that has, is, is not, like, there's not, like, these super spreading events happening and things like this. Of course, vaccines have de- been developed, you know, in the, in the when that has happened as well, but it's, it's less so, like, when we think about, like, you know, um, like smallpox or things like that, you know, what in our lifetime, what we've seen is much more like trying to eradicate things. And so I think that it is really hard for us and our healthcare system to learn um, in previous jobs that I've had where I've worked with the government Um, there's this idea of like a learning healthcare system that's being developed more and more and but it's very like small and niche and so it's like a very small percentage of the healthcare system is actually like thinking of its actions as something it can learn from rather than implementing protocols and so I think for us to have a more equitable vaccine distribution there would have to be a strong learning um mode in place and like as John was saying like it's really hard to predict these things off you know of course we can see like social inequalities they're there and and I think we all weren't surprised when things ended up the way they ended up you know with like inequalities but like for a system to like learn quickly and adapt and then start to say oh actually like you know we had all these things in place to try to open up more vaccine distribution places in, in, in majority segregated communities that are predominantly people of color but that's not working so what do we do now you know and so to adapt quickly to it and so i think those are some of the things that might help us be i think the places that have been able to do it really well are those places that have like adapted really quickly and had keen vision have have a lot of community stakeholders who are part of the decision making process who can quickly tell information from the grassroots up to like the institutions and and there's that process.
1: Yeah, no, I I think you're 100% right about that. I mean, I think, you know, I think it also comes back again to that universalism kind of issue right like we have a system where you have to like, not only like Reach in, but like you have to aggressively reach in and like grab somebody by the shoulders and be like, give me a vaccine, right? um you know my my wife's um, grandmother lives in a rural part of central pennsylvania um and we've been trying desperately to get her she's like 93 years old she's like at the front of the queue in terms of priority and we're just trying 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 and you're going to these websites and you're clicking on the website and it's giving you weird errors right and like this sort of thing shouldn't need to exist right like you should have a government agency that's like oh you know it's your time right like we have a big list right like and let's take advantage of the scale of the federal government or the state governments and use that to efficiently allocate these things in the right sort of in the order that makes sense i think the other thing though is that and i think this also ties into that problem of like a lack of kind of a universal value of of people's health is that you see these stories where, oh, this person jumped the queue, right? Or this school district in Georgia, this town decided to vaccinate their teachers and they weren't supposed to, they were in phase 1A, right? So obviously there's examples of malfeasance where like people kind of buy their way to the front of the line, like that's not okay. But like, but ultimately it's like, you wanna get as many people vaccinated as possible and taking this kind of weird punitive approach where it's like people, you're telling people like, no, 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 like you're going to get a fine because you vaccine, or we're not going to send vaccine to this area because we you vaccinated your teachers who you we, the state is forced to go back to school. It's like, it's crazy, right? And so it's on the one hand, we have these protocols, but like Rami was saying, it's like, the protocols are just pulled out of somebody's head, right? Like they don't mean, they, they're informed by something, but not by much. It's like these like warning levels that we have where it's like, we're in this phase, we're in red, we're in purple, we're in green. It's like, who knows? Who knows what any, nobody knows what that means. The people who made them up don't really know much more than you do, right? And, and so, and despite their best efforts, it's not a criticism of them, but there's this kind of sheen of like all knowingness um that is really counterproductive especially when it's kind of tacked on top of a system that's completely broken and doesn't work right so like it'd be one thing if it was like so clean and competent right it reminds me of um so i was in high school and college around uh, september 11th and you'd go, you'd go to travel and they'd be like the terrorism warning is orange it's red it's like again total total garbage total baloney right to paper over a system that was like once again, structured by racism, structured by cronyism and, you know, and all this, this things that drive our healthcare system, uh, it shouldn't be a surprise that they kind of reflect our national security priorities, here, right? Like, so I'm, I think it's, it, we keep coming up with these band-aids to put on top of gaping wounds to pretend that they're not there. Um, and, and a lot of this kind of, you know, uh, obsession with prioritization, obsession with categorizing is is, is a symptom of that, I think.
0: So um I have another question and it's actually like geared towards you both and your perspectives. So we were talking about this before the meeting, but um as uh, you guys specialize in epidemiology and public health, how was it like seeing what you've been studying for a while actually happen like in real life, um, like how is that like in your perspective?
1: Um, maybe I'll take this one and then I'll pass off to you. I mean, I, mean, I would say, it, for anybody, most of us who work in this area, there is nothing surprising that happened, right? Everything that happened was like, you know, so I was wrong about the trajectory of things. I thought this was gonna be better than it was. So shame on me, but I did think it would be characterized by massive amounts of inequality, right? And I, I haven't been wrong in my prediction, right? And that we would be way behind every other conceivable place in that inequality, right? And so, I think it's very frustrating to watch because it's like, no, no, we told you, right, and, and we know about these things, and I think part of it is that health inequality and like social epidemiology are sometimes, and again, I think this kind of is this like colonialization of the curriculum idea, where it's like, these are soft things, and hard things are virology and vaccine development, which are imp- very important things, as we know. But it turns out now everybody's turning around. They're like, "Whoa, these problems are really hard. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're really difficult. Like, you know, and it's it's not patting ourselves on the back. It's just an inherently difficult thing. And it's like if our systems were designed to kind of deal with these problems and also to encounter the, the, the thing that makes it different is it's like, you know you have to push back on something that is not comfortable to push back on, right? It's easy to like hate a virus. It's another thing to say like, we have a rotten political system. We have a terrible healthcare system, right? Like the, all of those things kind of run counter to the, the incentives for people like me who rely on the federal government to give me money to keep my group going and all that, right? So it's, it's a tricky position that we're in and it tends to make us more conservative um, than we should be.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with you, John. I, I think it's, um, yeah, it's really hard um, to kind of, to 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 kind of think through how it's affected me personally. I, I think I went through different phases. Um, I think part of the like starting out in my work, I was, um, you know, I I did global health, and I was much more in the field doing data collection. And um, I'd be in these like low middle income countries and in rural areas and supporting and kind of seeing these inequalities play out. And it's really hard, you know, it's of course really hard. I think um, so commendable all of the healthcare workers who see these things playing out. And of course we all probably have friends who are doctors and I have one too who are, who's like, you know works in a very urban community with a lot of segregation and, you know, he has to go to work every day and see these inequalities play out. And I think what's interesting about epidemiology though, and I mean, sometimes uh, certain parts of public health is that you have to really work to get the perspective of what's going on on the ground. Like it's not a natural thing that comes up in the field. And so you the way that it's built. And so you have to put yourself in spaces so that you can actually see what's happening. Um, with some of these, you know, things like, for example, even if you're in like a non-communicable disease, like hypertension, like what's being studied in some of these universities, like in really top-notch universities, you know, it's very different from once you start, start spending time in like Latinx neighborhoods or like Black neighborhoods, and then you're like, oh, it's very different what we're trying, what we think are the solutions compared to what is actually like, what might actually, you know, move the needle. So I think with, Um, COVID and seeing that it it was really hard for me. I think that, you know, I thought that I had a perspective from, you know, being in the field and kind of moving to this more place where I do more analysis, but it was like hard day to day, like seeing things play out. And um, there were like a couple of weeks where I just had to feel like I am very sad, (laughs) you know, because you see these numbers trickling in and you see like the number of deaths of people of color. And and you see, like, you know, younger people passing away, you know, and older people passing away, and, the, and it's just so unjust, you know, and, and Michigan got hit really hard, you know, and with the inequalities, and people of color here have already, you know, of course, been through so much, people in Southeast Michigan, and the Flint water crisis, and you think about, like, just, you know, of course, decades of racism, but also, like, all of the redlining that has happened, and, you know, everything that kind of makes Detroit and everything around it, like, the hotbed of what you might think of in terms of like the racism of America playing out. So yeah, it was really hard. (laughs) I I don't know a better answer to that, but yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, just to follow on quickly to that, um, you know, so one of the things that we've done is we've worked with the state to have this website that where we map the distribution of COVID across the state and you can kind of explore it visually and you know obviously we came to that with a particular set of goals and perspectives but often you'll get I, I don't get a ton of email from people about it but i do get some and there'll be weird things like well i saw that and now i know i shouldn't go to detroit and it's like that's not how this works right like if you just walk around it's like not gonna happen to you and it's also like you know it's not like so one of the things that i think for me is like important to think about in the future is way when we think about and we talk about places and we study places, it's really important for us to be thinking, talking about the things that make conditions in places the way they are and not just kind of showing you like, places are different because it's people and what we see over and over again with this pandemic and with every other health crisis that's characterized by inequality, which is to say all of them, um, you know, people just kind of come up with these ridiculous explanations, right? At the beginning, black people are less susceptible to COVID, which like, why, why do people even think that? I don't know. And then it turned out, well, the rates are much higher, well, maybe they're uniquely susceptible. Like, if you go back 100 years, it's like tuberculosis is the same thing, African Americans migrated from south um, into northern cities it got tb at high rates it must be because they're not attuned to urban living right like just these, and we keep we just will continue to return to these things um and and you can't address like we can tell you that over and over and obviously you guys know that already that that's ridiculous but i think unless you deal with the the the, the ground the sort of firmament that lets that come up, people just keep doing it. And so I think that's a really, it's very frustrating because on the one hand, we've never been more relevant. On the other hand, we've maybe never been less relevant, right, like, so it's like the stuff we talk about is really important and it's nothing's happening. So yeah, both ends.
0: Uh, what both of you guys just said reminded me, it was like, um, since both of you guys are like experts in epidemiology, I was just wondering if there was any specific actions that were taken during the pandemic that you thought would could have been like treated or like acted upon differently because like whether it was like the length of the lockdown or like different like rules that were
2: initiated
1: um that's a good question um i would you know there are definitely many things i mean Clearly, you know, and there was a sort of perfect storm of things going on. We were kind of in the last flame at what was thankfully the last sort of flame out of the Trump administration. And, you know, their their approach to sort of trying to get out of this was turned out to be neither, you know, epidemiologically or politically successful. Um, but they just were like, well, if we bury this, if we minimize it, if we don't level with people, then it'll like go away. Right. Which was just like wishful. Like I have kind of wishful thinking where it's like, no, 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 I can. I'll have another cookie, it's not a problem, right? Like like that's the level of wishful thinking that I engage in is like just kind of like recreational overeating, right? But when you're talking about like hundreds of millions of people's lives, just pretending that something's not a problem and like making it go away, like it's insane. And so, you know, we were in that environment which has kind of fueled all of the problems I already have. So that's not a specific action, um, but it is kind of, you know, it, it is kind of a, of the environment, I would say in terms of actions or things that like from a public health perspective that we could do better um, is not encountering resistance and just telling people that they're idiots, right? Like, I think there's a very kind of like, like on the liberal side of the political spectrum, there's, there's sort of blame or, or learning to go around and saying like, well, just because like you believe in science, quote unquote, doesn't mean that like people who are skeptical go. Right, like people are skeptical for all kinds of reasons. Some of those are historical about discrimination. Some of those are, you know, wrapped up in people's crazy political beliefs, but ultimately like the problems of like racism are problems of dehumanization and the problems of, you know, of saying that people who reject masks and all this stuff, which is like completely infuriating. But like, if we just kind of reduce them to a caricature, we don't really solve the problem and everybody's position get more entrenched. Um, So I would say, you know, the framing of these things and the explanation of them, like leveling with people, like when we have a lockdown, explain why, what's the rationale, you know, when are we gonna ease up on this? And and, and being a little more, more humble in terms of saying like, well, we hope this is gonna do something. We don't know exactly what's gonna happen. I think there's a lot of this like expertise that comes from nowhere. And the conversations that we have on this side of the fence is like, do you know why we're doing this? It's like, like not we, like obviously like nobody asked me when we should lock down, but like, but like, you know, Ramya and and I and other people in in our group will talk and we'll go, like, why are they doing X, Y, or Z? And people will say, well, is Washtenaw County in orange right now? I'm like, I have no idea. I'm not paying attention. Like it's completely irrelevant, right? And so it's mystifying and it's supposed to make us look authoritative and it just kind of makes us look distant and dumb and and out of touch. So I think, you know, more direct communication, Um, the new administration seems to be doing some of that. um, And that's promising, even though like I'm not completely in love with everything about the Biden administration will hopefully take us in in a good direction.
2: Yeah, I agree. I I, I was going to share too, um, I agree with everything that John just said. I think that there are these like more overarching factors that um, really give us some indication around why things played out the way they played out so like kind of to in a vacuum say like these things could have been different is hard because probably like the political climate and um, you know just the way that things are playing out but, and the one other thing that I thought of when you were talking John was um, you know I've been really thinking more about like the media environment and you know how that influences how we've been thinking something that's really new maybe about how information is shared now is that most people get their information through social media. And so you know, that maybe wasn't the case, like 30, 40 years ago, you know, and so when you have these non pharmaceutical interventions, and a government says, Hey, just do this, you know, and people like, as much as they believe in the institution, they do it, you know, and um, I think, you know, I don't know if any of you've seen that um, film on Netflix called the social dilemma, but um, it kind of touches on some of these points. Just how, you know, in, in some ways, um, the the political environment is a reality of how Americans think right now. You know, and so and if you're only getting your information from a few people, and it, this that just keeps feeding your. You know the way you think about things then we like increasingly become polarized around really like non-relativistic ideas of about science you know like for example like these are not things that you you expect relativism to play out and you know you're like so um yeah I think that, and then there's also, of course other examples like other countries that did that did try to do a good job and there are examples of those like New Zealand or other places where I think the The chance that we had was within that first month when we had the cruise ship people land, and you had like you know like fifty people with COVID, and um, if you were to do like testing, contact tracing, like these just just these foundational like public health principles that we know is how infectious disease can be mitigated. Um, then we could have like at least had a grip on it. Like by the time we ended up actually putting into place, you know, some of the national strategies was like way too late, you know, because the way the infectious diseases spread, uh, you know, is not even a linear approach. It's, it's you know, it's not something that, you know, you're just like, okay, let, now let's cut it off. You know, it's, it kind of takes off in a very exponential way. And so, um, yeah, you have like a short window when you can start acting and we missed that window. And so, um, yeah and then there are these principles that other countries implemented and they were able to like at least catch it and so so now places like new zealand or other places are like oh okay now there's this new strain like they have they have they they're they could be vaccinating their their communities and then like they can now focus on the new strain but we are focusing on like spread and vaccinating people and the new strain and like you know it's it's a lot so yeah
1: yeah I mean, and just one sort of thing on top of that, like, in, you know, so one of the the like supposed triumphs of this pandemic has been like data, right? And openness of data. But we know, you know, we work with this, some of the state data, they do the best job they can, but they're not perfect. Um, and one of the things I think about a lot is this idea, well, we could, in Michigan, we weren't gonna like lockdown, we weren't gonna have this uh, testing program ramp up because there were no cases here. There were, there were 30 cases or a hundred cases in Ohio, Um, which last I checked is pretty close. And, you know, people go there and come here with some regularity. Um, And, but at the same time, it was like, well, there's no case in Michigan. So then a case shows up in Michigan. Now one case, now we shut down. It's like, you know, again, it's that fragmentary quality of the way we do things where it's like, no, it has to be a problem. Like we have to wait for it to be bad in Michigan specifically, right. To do something about it, even though everything tells us that, you know, it's a problem. Um, So, yeah, that's one of those things where I wish, like, as a country, we could have acted earlier. Um,
0: Yeah, Yeah, going off of what you said, um, in terms of social media, I think something that is specific to America is that we we were already so polar because of um, the political climate. And then, um, like, a lot of teenagers started using the app TikTok in 2019. And then I think that actually played a really big role in the election and in the pandemic, because you see people that have no experience in healthcare and hold like a disposable mask up to a hose and some water spills out of it. And they're like, see, it's ineffective. And so many people see that. And then you see like this politicization of masks where there's a side of the country that doesn't wear it and there's a side that promotes it. So it creates so much polarity that already exists. And it's just not helpful because especially like the governor put a lockdown and that you have a group of high schoolers that follow the lockdown. And then you on social media, everyone's throwing a party in their house or like up north or something like it's not really helpful at all.
1: yeah i mean and and I, I mean it's such a hot house environment under the best of circumstances right but like then when everybody's stuck at home right like this is a window out of your house or right like and i think it just encourages things to go kind of even further i mean i think also it's like also everybody's an expert all of a sudden right and ultimately like even the experts should probably stop talking so much like right they're just like there's so many opportunities to like be an expert kind of framing yourself as one like in the new york times they have this thing is like what are epidemiologists doing for christmas and it's like just stay home right like you don't need to know and like you know many of those people like they don't even work on this stuff not that that really matters like they're smart nice people but like you know, all of that is just like this, we privilege all this expertise when ultimately like, you know, it's a contagious disease, it kills people. Maybe you should try not to get it. Maybe you should put something over your face that kind of makes sense. Like all of the things that we've kind of arrived at other than the kind of like like eye-opening science behind the vaccines, which is amazing. Um, Is like really obvious right, and so we have to take these like crazy loops to tell people things that are obvious, and I think part of that is. Everything is framed as some expert experts are inherently left of Center or you know pointy headed liberals and so that creates one set of problems right like and 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 all of these issues, and if you just were like you get it you're not dumb like spit comes out of your mouth, spit has viruses in it. Maybe if you just put like a a cloth there, that could help. I don't know. It might, it might not, you know, but ultimately like so much of this stuff is like far less complex and threatening um, than we make it out to be.
0: Yeah. And there's also a set of people that don't want to get the vaccine and then they spread, um, you know, like crazy myths and lies about the vaccine on TikTok and social media so that it's just so bad how polar our situation is right now.
1: Yeah, no, I mean I think, you know, I, I think that the it's like the medium is obviously important. Social media like has its own sort of particular characteristics, but there were anti-maskers in 1918 right? Like vaccine hesitancy kind of came of age prior to the advent of social media, like in the late 90s, right? So, I mean, I think these things pour gas on it, but I think a lot of them are, a lot of the problems are more evidence of people's like, Atomization or of their alienation in terms of like politics or, or economics, right? And lashing out at these kind of like perceived like QAnon is a good example of that. Like QAnon is this like insane conspiracy theory, you know, and like with an amazing cast of characters, including like John Kennedy Jr., right? But Ultimately, like it, it's a world that people can kind of dive into to explain why the world that as they see it is as bad as it is. And so that makes people susceptible to conspiracy theories and to the idea, to things that are like kind of counterintuitive because we we were forced to accept a world that also doesn't really make a lot of sense, right? Like like where the economic conditions are totally out of whack. The healthcare system is terrible, but somehow we, we can't afford to have universal healthcare, but we can't afford to have a system that like... There was a story in the New York Times a couple of days ago that just like blew my mind, which is that like certain hospital systems will refuse to bill Medicare or Medicaid for um, people who've been in car accidents because they want to be able to sue them to get a lien on their judgment for if they, you know, they win a, a settlement, right? It's like that's that's a that's a sick society. That's a sick healthcare system, right? And like it abuses people. So it's like if you're subject to that in one way, shape, or form, um, maybe it's not surprising that you turn to these crazy explanations, right? So I think on the one hand, it's like social media. Obviously, you know, the the companies that mediate that conversation are a big part of the problem, and and individuals do have a role to play in terms of policing their own behavior and thinking about why they're doing what they're doing. So that's all really important. But part of it is like those structures that we find ourselves in kind of push people to do like ridiculous things. Um, and, and I think it, we shouldn't discount that.
0: Yes, that's a really good explanation. Um, that's actually all the questions that we had for like the little recording that we were doing. So, but So we just want to thank everyone who was watching.
2: And thank you guys for coming in today. Uh, We'll talk a little bit after we end the recording, but that's all we have.